welcome to This Is Life. Hello, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this time of early spring. Uh, perhaps, uh, I hope that the, if you had to do that saving times where you are, uh, didn't affect you or your family too much. Uh, this is the first year in 41 years of living. I actually, I don't know if it's because my sleeping patterns have changed or... I'm getting older. I don't know. Whatever it is. I just know that for some reason this year I had a harder time adjusting to this to the to this to the time change uh than I than I usually do. And uh my daughter, she's you know, same thing. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're all exhausted anymore because of all the you know, just new things we're having to do nowadays just to kind of keep up with society and keep ourselves healthy and everything else. I don't know. All I know is that I am very grateful in knowing that my evening sunsets are coming back. You know, I used to, you know, have to worry about getting off work and then all of a sudden you have like 30, 40 minutes of daylight before it's all dark <laughs> until the next morning. Uh, now we can at least enjoy and, and go outside and, and just, uh, just enjoy the weather and the evenings. You know, I've talked about it before, how much I just, I love my summer evenings, my warm evenings outside and just the, the, the cicadas and the, frogs and uh the wind just breezing through i oh, mean i tell you that is my happy place so uh I, I, so I, yes as you can tell i'm very excited that spring is here and summer is right around the corner and uh guys just I, i'm blessed and i pray and hope that you are feeling the same way and speaking of blessed i just i i am very excited about today's topic um, number one is because Anytime that I have an opportunity to talk about a topic that is misunderstood in the church and a lot of pastors teach wrong, I mean, it's, 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 and let me tell you, I preached this wrong. Okay. I was a pastor for 15 years and I didn't even really understand what I'm about to talk about. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, 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 I just say, I'm like, uh, there's a new word that I've learned here recently that is, that is a lot of Christians think of it, I think is a bad thing, but I don't think so. I think it's important. And the, the word that's been used a lot in social media and just in our culture today is deconstruction. Basically, where you take a a a just a known fact or ideology or understanding or uh, dogma. You, know, you take a just a, a a a you take a status quo, a something that is a standard, and you question it. And you deconstruct it and you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Why do I believe this way? Why do we do it this way? Why is this always been taught this way? And, you know, it seems to be that, you know, in a lot of ways we do things regardless of how they may affect or even hurt other people. And we like the church has a lot of practices that just, I'll just be frank, that is toxic, that is hurting people even today. And, uh, just our behaviors towards one another and our um, judgment and uh, just, I mean, all sorts of things that, that the church is doing and even leadership that is hurtful to people. And it's with good intentions, it's hoping and thinking that you're doing something good for the kingdom of God. But in reality, you're just, you're, you're causing a culture of, of, of pain and a culture of animosity and fear and and not a, a a culture of love and repentance and true change and and kindness and the fruits of the spirit like we're all supposed to be striving for every day you know we're all supposed to take those fruits of the spirit seriously and and really purposely try to live each and every single one of them out all day every day with every encounter with every person we had we 
come in contact with strangers, friends, families, or otherwise, you know, so uh, I'm okay with deconstruction. I'm okay with, with us taking a pause to just really ask ourselves, why have we been doing it all this way? And is there a better way that we could be doing it? And more importantly, even when it comes to things in the church, is there a more scriptural way? Is there a more Jesus way? Is there a more kind and loving way that we can do these things? Is there a more way that is less of us and less of our identities and less of our selfishness and more of God and more of other people? Um, you know, are, are there viewpoints that we even have? I mean, there's there's a lot of people who will go to their grave as a, as a Republican, for example. I don't mean to bring politics in it, but it's, I know these people who don't even want to even consider an opposing point of view. And that, you know, that, that, and that's just that that's really, that's not a good way to live. Okay. None of us have all the answers. In fact, the, the, the answers and the truth lies amidst all of us. And that's why it's so important that we do have conversations and we have dialogues and we have discussions. We have debates, friendly debates. We, even if we have arguments, we find ways to come to a common ground and a solution together. I mean, we're not just animals living on instincts here, people. I mean, we have, God has given us the ability to communicate and to, you know, have a fruitful relationship with other people. And we need to use those, that to our advantage. Um, and the more that we shut in, the more that we think that we have all the answers, the more that we, you know, show off any other points of view or any other thoughts that may be different or maybe uncomfortable, you know, that we uh, hold on to so dearly and so tightly, um, it's going to end up hurting us because we're not going to have all the answers. And so I challenge you with, with what I'm about to talk about today, just let it soak in just a little bit. And I want to talk today about loving our lives. Uh, and that is a taboo topic in church. We're taught that that, that we're in the world, not out of the world. We're taught that we're not supposed to love anything about this world, that we're anything in, about this life, that we are to be just basically sitting here waiting until our last breath, and then we get to go to heaven where the real party starts. And I, and I get that, I, believe me, I've talked about it and preached about it, that the Bible even specifically says that this life is but a vapor in the reality of existence in eternity. But that doesn't mean that it's any less important. For example, uh, every one of us would say that this world, this life, this earth, the people in it, the animals on it, the the plants, the uh, the oceans, everything in this world has a place and is very, very, very important. But if you look at the earth in comparison to the rest of the universe, it is barely a speck of sand. Okay? Now, does that mean that the world is any less important? Does that mean that it is not worthy of taking being taken care of? I mean, at any point in time, we could just be knocked out of the existence and the universe wouldn't care for nothing for it. And so uh, this tells me that, you know, regardless of how short this life may be here on Earth, the between the little dash that's between that's on all of our headstones between the year that we were born and the year that we were dead, that dash means something and, it, and we want it to mean something we want it to be where that dash represents a life well lived and a life well loved and a life that was that was just lived for all of its worth and given for all of its worth 
And, you know, this is something I, I challenge myself with every day because there's not, I don't wake up every day thinking that, hey, you know what, today I'm going to, I'm going to make today the best day possible. No, of course not. I, I wake up on the wrong side of the bed just like anybody else. Uh, I wake up tired or grumpy or overwhelmed, but I still have an opportunity. I'm still breathing. I still have reason to be thankful, just like you do. You're hearing this podcast right now. That is a miracle. That is that is a miracle. The fact that you were even all able to hear and talk and communicate and just be blessed by our families. I mean, think about the people who love you right now. That's a blessing. Think about the people you love. Maybe even those who've gone on to be the Lord and how much you miss them. How much of a blessing it was that you had them in your life. You see what I'm saying? Like, these are all very, very important things. And so why would we throw away this life and this experience and and and, and reject it? When in reality, God has given us so many blessings and so many reasons to be thankful and to love and to cherish on this earth. And, and I get it. And, and a, lot of, a lot of it comes from the scripture. So let's just kind of go there and let's just deconstruct this idea of thinking. Now, this, for some of you, this may not be, you may be, I may be talking foreign. You'd be like, man, Sean, I don't know about you, but I love living my life. I love life. I love what I have. I have blessings. I said, now that's great for you. But there's a lot of people and there's a lot of preachers who talk about how we're supposed to hate this life and how that this life is just a a a a a stepping stone to heaven. And it's as if we're supposed to some like 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 why did God create us in the first place? Then you know what I'm saying? And I just I find that to be such a terrible way to think. God gave us this life and the things in it and the thing and the people in it. And the, the just, I mean, just nature in and of itself is, is, is incredible. If you just take the time to really pay attention to it and just love it and cherish it and honor and experience it as much as possible and, and, and really take every single day and, and, and just try to make it better and different than the day before, even by a small margin. And so I, I, I just I feel like we're just as Christians we're missing out on this incredible opportunity to love this life that God's given us because we're so concerned about heaven that we forget about life here on earth. And I think that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I think that makes us selfish. I think that makes us uh, high and mighty. I think that people think of us like 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 I mean a lot a lot of people think I'm not a. I've heard people say I'm not a citizen of America. I'm a citizen of of of, of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. Okay, pal. You know, last it looks like you still say you have the state that you live in on your driver's license, if you even have a driver's license. But I'm saying you're obviously you're standing up and are have foot on the ground on whatever country you're living in. You're that's the, that's the country that you're citizen of. You know, if you <laughs> we're not citizens of heaven yet. You know, we so you can't claim it's anyway. It's just I'm just it just really bothers me just how people are just so wanting to just so just forsake. This, the, the blessings that we have here. Here's where they get it, though. If you go to John 12, 25, this is the scripture that a lot of people, a lot of pastors will just rant and rave on about how we're supposed to hate this life. And the only thing that matters is eternity is in heaven and that they, everything that this world and this life has to offer. I mean, I've had people say that music, you know, is if, unless it's talking about Jesus, it's, you should enjoy it. If, if unless it's unless it's unless anything has to do with with 100 God 100 Jesus, we ought to hate it. And I'm just like, okay, the grass, for example, I like green grass. The grass itself is not this. You don't see Jesus's words all over the grass. 
I mean, he created it, I guess, but he created everything for that matter. So, you know, it's like, really, I mean, every there's parts of our lives that we can enjoy and that are not sinful to enjoy them. John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. This is Jesus talking. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay, so the first scripture I read again, 12, John 12, 25, says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So you got two different ideas there. You have a person, you know, Jesus is saying, he that loves his life, if you love your life here on this earth, you're going to lose it. You're going to die. But if you hate your life in this world, okay, if you despise the life in this world, then you can keep it unto life eternal. So in other words, you have to give up yourself on this earth in order to have eternal life in heaven, which is true. We're no longer living for ourselves. If you're a Christ follower, you're living for Christ and for others. Okay, that's the two greatest commandments. I talk about that every single week. But that doesn't mean that we hate our lives. Okay, I love my family. Okay, I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know what, my Rachel, I love you as my wife, but I love Jesus. So I'm going to have to hate you in order to love Jesus. Obviously, that sounds ridiculous. You know, because God gave me my wife. My wife is an incredible blessing. I'm going to enjoy being married to her because that is what I have been given. And I'm appreciative so much of, right? And it just seems ludicrous, but some people think that way. And it's just, it's just thinking, thinking, like I used to say. It's just thinking, thinking. It's just you're confused and you don't truly understand the what God's love is. And you don't truly understand even in the context of love. We only have one word for love in, in, in English, okay? Love generally has one one meaning, at least one meaning that we all understand. It's some, some sort of affection, right? Some sort of acknowledgement of appreciation, okay? I love this. Now, obviously, we have different levels of love. Uh, I know I, I love a TV show, okay? That's different than I love my daughter. Okay, obviously, I don't love a TV show as much as I love my daughter. It's two different types of things. I'm a fan of a show, but I'm not just a fan of my daughter. I love her and would give my life for her. Um, but still, though, we don't have a better, we don't have a different word for it. We just say love. Well, the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, actually has two specific types of love. Two different words, rather, even. Two different words discussed, but they're both translated to English love. So there's a lot of confusion that comes about this. This particular scripture, John 12, 25, says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. When you look up the the the, the, the strongest letters, the strongest in coordinates, look up the Greek word for the word loveth. It is the word phileo, or P-H-I-L-E-O. Say phileo? We'll call it Phileo, okay? P-H-I-L-E-O. Now, I this was kind of a quandary for me because last week I talked on First Peter. Uh, let me go ahead and go to that scripture because I talked I touched about this a little bit last week about loving our life. And, and so let me see if I can go there real quick. First uh, Peter 3:10. Okay, this is the same, same new, same New Testament. And this this may sound in contrary to the previous scripture, John 12, 25. 1 Peter 3, 10 says, Whoever would love life and sit and sit, I'm sorry, over. 
Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. So wait a minute, Pastor. One scripture tells me that in order to gain eternal life, I have to hate this life. But then this scripture tells me that it's actually encouraging me to love my life and to see good days. And the way that I love my life and the, the way that I see good days is to keep myself from evil and seek peace and pursue it. Okay, we talked about that last week, about how if you're seeking peace and you're pursuing it, it's a constant part of your lifestyle, then you will end up in loving and enjoying your life and you'll see good days. Which again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with. In fact, I don't know about you, but I like good days much better than bad days. I don't like bad days. I don't like, you know, days where I go to the go to bed at the end of the day and I'm just frustrated or tired or upset or angry. And I don't like any of those days. None of us do. I would much rather have good days. And I would, and, and one of the best ways to have good days is to appreciate the life that you've been given by loving it. You can't have you can't if you want you can't go to bed in, with a smile on your face if you hate your life as we've been taught to in the church for so long. It's no wonder there's so many miserable Christians out there because we're taught that we're brainwashed into thinking that we have to hate this life in order to love Jesus, and that's just not the case. And here's why: the word in the scripture loveth uh, he whoever would love life and see good days is the word agape, or agapeo, okay? So all of a sudden, now you have a quandary. You have two scriptures who seemingly contradict each other, but mean completely two different things, even though the English word is love, is in both of them. And so you have the great old debate of the agapeo versus phileo love. So, rather than spending an entire 30, 40 minutes discussing all these, I found an incredible article uh, written and it I'm just going to read this to you so bear with me please bear with me it's a really good article it's not very long about the distance it says agape and phileo love we need both okay I mean, I'm going to read this article to you and just hopefully this puts it in perspective of the two different types of love and how we do need both but how they both have a place in our lives and even our spiritual walks here we go here's the article the Greek language has many variations on the word love where English is unfortunately limited to one. There's lost meaning and nuance in using only one word to describe such a vast sentiment. The Bible even recognizes the differences, and it helps us to derive meaning and understanding from the text. One of the most common conversations around the uses of the word love comes from John 21, 15-17. We actually talked about this several weeks ago. Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three separate times. The first two times, the Bible uses the agape form of love, which is understood to be a general meaning of the word. This love is not based on merit of the person loved, but rather unconditional and based on them as an image bearer of Christ. That's important. This love is kind and generous. It continues to give even when the other is unkind, unresponsive, and unworthy. Now, I want to stop real quick. Is that not what life is sometimes? Is life sometimes not unkind, unresponsive, and unworthy? Of course it is. But that doesn't mean that we love life any less. In fact, it ought to push us to love it even more. Okay, that's agape love. Because we're recognizing that the life and love that we, the life, excuse me, the life that we're being given is given to us by God. Okay, continue on. 
We read that sentence again, so I keep going. It continues to give even when the other is unkind, unresponsive, and unworthy. It only desires good things for the other and is compassionate. But the third time that Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, he uses phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, which speaks on affection, fondness, and liking the other. This love is companionable and relational. It's brotherly and friendship love. While agape is a more universally understood meaning of love that is shown to a person for no doing of their own, I'm intrigued that Jesus chose to use phileo as a way to force Peter to think deeper. He wanted to know if Peter loved him not just because of who he was in God, but rather that they had built a deep and intimate friendship. He wanted to know that Peter cared about him as a person and as a brother. He wanted Peter to know that what true reconciliation looked like, and it required both kinds of love. I believe that the Bible is asking us to go deeper in how we express love to others. There's an ancient Jewish practice that says that a man is free to divorce his wife if she did something that displeases him. Jesus speaks out against that often in his teachings. This isn't a display of a deep biblical love. And the author continues to go on here. I hope you're hanging in there because this is a really good article. Almost finished. He has a story here. He says, my dad has Alzheimer's disease. And every day my mom goes to visit him at the care facility. She sits with him. She shares a meal with him. And she speaks to him. He's not giving back in any way. And he isn't in a state where he can physically take care of himself. She loves him with both agape and phileo love. She loves him unconditionally, but she also loves him relationally and intimately after years and years of living life together. Recently, while visiting my dad, I noticed a man who was taking care of his wife in the same way and with the same level of devotion. She was in a far worse state than my dad, and yet he remained steadfast. When I asked him about his wife and after engaging him in a casual conversation, he replied, I made a pledge, a vow to be there. That's not conditional on anything. I'm going to live that out. The article continues to say, I'm humbled by these simple and yet profound displays of love on many levels, and I think that is what God is calling us to do. He wants us to go deeper, to offer love unconditionally, despite the actions of others. It says that I will love you even when you deny me love in return. Man, that's good stuff. I will love you even when you don't love yourself. We need to build people in our lives who will, quote, agape love us, but also who will phileo love us, even when we are frustrated, angry, and disillusioned. We need to offer that to others. We need to offer that to the vulnerable and to those who aren't like us, just as much as we need to offer those to whom we are closest. There are several different kinds of loves that encompass the human condition, but we have to realize that we can go deeper and we can be more profound in our love for God's children. We have the capacity to love without condition. Now, that was a good one. that good? So, okay, so let's kind of go back to the other scripture then. The, 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 the uh, first John, I'm sorry, John 12, 25. And Jesus, uh, verily, verily, said, no, no, no. he that loves, sorry, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in the world shall keep it unto life eternal. So in the words, he that phileo loveth his life shall lose it. In other words, if you have affection for this life, for this world, that is greater than your love for God, obviously that's a problem. Okay, because this life in the flesh specifically has not done anything to earn our love and our respect and our kindness and our, and our appreciation and our, and our affection. Okay, that's what it's talking about. The sinful nature that we have 
obviously is not worth loving. But we, however, have a natural draw to have affection to the bad things. Amen? Right? Do we not have a natural affection to bad things? Okay? If you're on a diet, what do you want? You want the bad stuff. Okay? Even though you know you're not supposed to, even though you're trying to stay healthy, you have a natural desire to do that, which is not good for you. And that's kind of the same thing where, you know, we can have this life and still enjoy it if we have appreciation for it, have agape love for it. But that's the life in general. But when you're talking about your life as in your sinful nature, as in the things that are opposite from Christ, yes, you better hate that because that's the only way it can be taken away from us is by giving our lives to Jesus and settling saying that, you know what, no longer am I living for myself. I'm not living for God and loving God with all my heart, soul, and spirit and loving my neighbor as myself. What you're really talking about is an appreciation love versus an, versus an affection love. Now, filial love has its place when you're talking about other people. But when you're talking about God, agape love, unconditional love that he's given us we now not only give to him, but we use that as same example of love to even to give other people, regardless of condition. And I, that's just, it's, I hope this is understanding because it's just such an incredible thing when you really think about it and you lay it down in front of you like, man, it's okay to love this life. It's okay to have appreciation for it. And in fact, it's honestly, it's, it's honorable and we're supposed to. I want to uh, I want to go to um, Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Okay, I remember several months ago I talked about wisdom, and anytime that you want to just get a dose of wisdom, kind of get a dose of um, encouragement, and some, maybe some 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 you know nuggets that will help you in life, go to the Proverbs, go to the Ecclesiastes, okay, go to Solomon's writings, because they all are able, it's just incredible, how, so many things you can pick up that will just help you in this walk of life. It's kind of like those those inspirational posters you see, you know, in corporate offices, that's basically our inspirational words, is the, the words of wisdom from Solomon in the Proverbs and the Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting with verse 15. Remember, I'm going to put these in the notes so you can follow along if you don't have a Bible in front of you or just that makes it easier for you, whatever. It says here, so I commend the enjoyment of life. And what's really fun about this is the King James actually uses the word mirth. We don't use that word very often. Mirth, M-I-R-T-H. Uh, mirth is the definition of mirth is amusement especially as expressed in laughter. So what Solomon's telling us is he's saying, you know what? I encourage mirth. I encourage all of you, all of us, to love life, to have laughter, to have merriment, to have high spirits. Okay? That's what God that's that's what God is telling us in his scripture through Solomon saying, I want you to take this life and live it to its fullest. Find ways and things that you can be happy about, you can be blessed with, that you can laugh with, and find people whom you can relate with and have a good time with. Do things of which you enjoy, okay? Learn new things. Learn new hobbies. Go out, take some walks. Go experience nature. You know, if you find yourself in a rut where every single day you're doing the same old, same old, and you're not, you know, it's like every single week, every single weekend, you're doing the same thing. No, go out. you didn't take a lot of money. Just take a drive or take a walk or 
just do something that you haven't done before. Try to take up a new hobby. Try to, you know, uh, take up karate or take up, you know, whatever. I don't know. Just saying, just do something different to kind of help get your juices flowing. Because as long as we're living, as long as we've got breath in our lungs, there's so many opportunities to and so many things that we can enjoy if we just, you know, especially America, but if we just like, just focus on it. So, so I commend the enjoyment of life because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be glad. Okay. That sounds like a summer song, right? Eat, drink, and be glad, right? It's a country music song for the summertime. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life that God has given him under the sun. Let me read that scripture again. So I commend the enjoyment of life, because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and to drink and be glad. This is scripture. You're not going to hear this a preacher. For some reason, preachers want you to walk around miserable. It's not the truth. It's not the word scripture. It's not at all. Remember, agape love. We're supposed to love this life with unconditional because it's a blessing from him. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life God has given him under the sun. He goes, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe man's labor on earth, his eyes not sleeping or his eyes not seeing sleep day or night. Okay. And how many knows we've seen those people, right? The zombies where it's like they just toil and they never look up and they just, they're just downtrodden all the time. And, 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 and I mean, what an existence that is. It's, it's awful. And sometimes we even feel that way, which is like, we can never just seem to get a, ahead, you know, and, and, and then sometimes that's just life. That's just the truth of it. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about that. Verse 17 says, then I saw that all God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all of his efforts to search it out, man cannot discover his meaning. Even if a wise man claims he knows, he cannot really comprehend it. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. And that's the truth. And that's one of the premises of this show is that we, none of us know whether or not we're going to, it's going to rain or it's going to be sunny in this life. In fact, Ecclesiastes 9.2 talks as much. It says, all share, both evil and righteous, all of us, all share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happened to this under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil. And there's madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Okay, In other words, there's always going to be awful things in this world. There's always going to be awful people. There's always going to be wars, unfortunately. There's always going to be killings. There's always going to be just arguments and, 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 and I mean, because we're just, we're, we're the people in general ourselves are just awful no matter. And, and, and unfortunately we're all going to be sometimes victims of that awfulness. That doesn't mean, however, that God has still not given us a power to overcome it. And that he's not fighting for us and that he's not staying with us and he's not living with us. And he's not giving us encouragement to overcome obstacles and overcome these things that are, the Bible talks about the weights that so easily beset us. 
Verse 4, though, says, anyone, this is important, anyone, even though all, okay, even though it just got done saying, right, that there's madness in the hearts of men and that it's that none of us can escape the evil, it says here in verse 4, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. I've worn a t-shirt. There it is. A live dog is better than a dead lion. Anyone who is among the living, you have hope. I heard a quote here recently. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it was really good. It says, it said, here it goes. The quote said, somebody put this on Instagram. I don't know where I find it. TikTok, something. It says here, you are dying and there's nothing you can do about it. You can do something about living, though. It's true. We're all dying. I don't like to think about it. But you have to think about it because it's a motivation. It's a motivation that while we're here to make the very, very best of it. And so, uh, you know, we, we got to get to stepping. If there are things that you want to do in your life and you haven't got there and you haven't done it yet, uh, what are you waiting for? And I'm preaching to myself on that. Okay. I'm preaching. In fact, I'm preaching to myself first and foremost about that. There are things that I want to do. I want to lose weight. I want to travel. I want to you know, be able to take my family to places that I've never been before. I mean, there, there are a lot of things I want to do in this world that I got to get to step in if I'm, because I don't, I'm only given a short amount of time, just like the rest of us. And if you have a living, if you, regardless of the circumstances around you, regardless of the world is literally falling around you, you're living, you have hope. Anyone who's living, who's among the living, you have hope. A live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do that scripture in fact i'm just i think i want to start maybe i'll start ending pot the podcast with that scripture i think i'm going to that's going to be the daily ending scripture ecclesiastes 9 7 go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for it is now that god favors what you do and i'm just gonna end it right there today because i don't think there's much more to say other than those words right there to take hold of your life enjoy it don't feel guilty for enjoying your life. You can feel guilty about for enjoying your sin. Okay, you can you can take you, 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 if you enjoy hurting others or hurting God. Yeah, definitely feel guilty for that and hate that. But your life and but your life that God's been given that God's given you the blessings, the things you enjoy. Don't if they're not hurting you, they're not hurting anybody else. They're not hurting God. They're for your pleasure to enjoy. Do it. Take a hold of it. Find new ways. Find new things to enjoy then. If you have bad habits and you know the, the, the things you do enjoy are hurting yourself, others, or God, then get rid of those things. Hate those things. But find new things to love. Go forth. Make a difference. Make it impactful. Make a difference in somebody else's life today. And just share that love and that kindness with as many people as possible so that we can be the shiniest examples of Christ's love that this world has ever seen and that we can truly bring back honor to the body of Christ where it's so hard to find anymore. I love every single one of you.
Have an incredible weekend. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.